Thank you for listening to Liberty Christian Center's podcast. Let's join Pastor Paul Carlson for today's message. All right, so we're going to talk this morning. I had this grand idea. You know what it was? It was I was going to give you a message that was going to take up one service. And it wasn't going to, yeah, Kelly, back there in the sound booth is laughing at me because she was here during the first service. I had like these seven great points that I was just going to go bam, 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 you know, like a machine gun, come at you. You know, like Doug, Dr. Doug, Doug Wingate from LCU says, you know, says listen to him preach is like drinking water from a fire hydrant. I had that dream. Well, I didn't get past the first point. Anyway, but you know, it doesn't, you know, here's the thing. You know, I come in with my messages and all this stuff. I don't care if I ever preach a message. All we want to do is, 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 is go where God wants us to, you know? I don't want to get in this rush. And believe me, 9 o'clock service, I can feel like a pressure to rush. But I'm just resisting that. I'm saying, no, we're going to go where God wants us to. We're going to just follow his trail. Hallelujah. Glory to God, to the best of our ability. So I've got this title. It's called Wise Moves. Wise Moves when you're feeling like the world is swallowing you up. Have you ever felt like the world is swallowing you up? Have you ever felt like that? If you're not feeling that way right now, enjoy this moment, okay? Because everyone has times when life is overwhelming, when, when it just seems like there's no escape. What am I going to do? You know, I wish I could get up here this morning and preach a sermon and say, I'm going to tell you how to never have trouble, never have a challenge. But, but frankly, there's no such thing in this world. We all have challenges. If you're the, the greatest Christian person, I mean, I'm telling you, you just are so close with God, you're like Enoch, almost ready to take off and be at his house, you know. Um, you're still going to have challenges. The greatest spiritual giants you know have trouble in this life. Sometimes they have more. Goodness, I lived in Oklahoma, in Tulsa for a few years. And, you know, Oral Roberts is well-known in Tulsa. Or he was, you know, he's well-known in heaven. But uh, I'm telling you, everybody in town, I used to work in this quick trip store, you know. Everybody came in, had an opinion about Oral Roberts. Like him or not, that man did a lot for God. He helped a lot of people. Back in the old days when he used to preach in tents and have, be on TV, I grew up, you know. You know, I always tell, you know, I didn't get saved till I was almost 21, but my parents were Christians, you know. Most of you have met my mom. She was here last week, but she's back in Texas now. But, but you know, they'd have on in the Sunday mornings. They'd have on Oral Roberts. He was on TV. And, and I'm telling you, people, you know, there was videos of his crusades, and people would get healed. You'd see people that had broken limbs. They'd, they'd, they'd walk. It was amazing, even as a little kid, you know, that didn't know a whole, whole lot. You know, now I'm an older guy, and I still don't know too much. But, but I'd watch that stuff, and it had impact. It was changing people's lives. But I'm telling you, you do stuff for God, everybody has an opinion about you, good or bad. What is with that Benny Hinn wearing them white suits? Who cares what kind of suit he wears? You know, back in the day, it was Catherine Kuhlman with her flower, her, her flowing gowns, you know, and, you know, dramatic. Now, you know what? I, 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 you know, I'm not into the dramatic thing, but thank God that woman did what God told her to do and affected people in a good way. 
and still is on YouTube. I tell you what, you want to watch her sometime, <laughs> right? Stephen watches her all the time. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Anyway, I don't want to be critical of people. You know what? We're all on the same team. And you know what? It's time, you know, Christians quit backbiting each other and talking bad about people because we don't all agree or whatever, you know. You know, I said I worked for Billy Graham for 10 years, you know, and, and goodness, Billy Graham is a stellar. You know, he's one of my heroes. And not everybody in the association believed exactly like I did. But you know what I loved? Is we all loved each other. Yes. We could work on teams and, you know, go and do crusades or do, do stuff at the home office. And, you know, it didn't matter what church we went to. We were just working for the kingdom. And that's really how it should be. We're all just working for the kingdom. Glory to God. Well, now you, I can see why I didn't get very far. <laughs> Psalm 34, 19, it says this, Many, how many? Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers them out of them all. The Lord delivers them out of them all. So I want to talk this morning about some wise moves we can make when trouble comes knocking on our door. Wise moves we can make when we feel like like the world, the life is just swallowing us up, and not in a good way, but in a bad way. And so what I'm going to do is have you turn to the book of Jonah. Jonah chapter 1. And I am going to read some from here, starting in verse 17, going into the second chapter. But Jonah, let me just tell you the story before we even read it. Jonah was a man of God. He was a preacher. He was a prophet. And even before this epic story we all have read and know about, you know, was around. Jonah was a preacher. He'd go out and, and deliver the word to people, and he, God would speak to him, and he'd share that. And, and, you know, people tended to like Jonah. He was a good guy. He gave them words from heaven. But God spoke something to Jonah that didn't quite set right. He told him to go to this people of Nineveh and deliver the, the word to them, to deliver a, a message of breakthrough, a message of God's love. And Jonah, man, I tell you, he didn't want to do that. Has God ever told you to do something and you just didn't want to do it? I mean, there's been times in my life where you can see the heel marks getting to me where God had me to be. Because I said, no, I don't want to do that. Go to Haiti? Come on, God, what are you talking about? Anyway, but you know, Jonah was like that. You know, he just said, no way. Nineveh was full of a people that were despised. They weren't looked upon favorably from the crowd. People didn't want to think, you know, are there groups of people today that, that even Christians don't want to see the mercy and love of God shared with? Well, there could be. Nineveh was like that. People didn't, didn't want those people to, you know, I won't go there. But anyway, people didn't want to see those people prosper. But God, the thing about God is I don't care where you're living, who you are, what your name is, where you're from, you know, what your background is. God loves you. He cares about you. He's wild about you. And the day we're living in, we're living on the other side of the death, burial, and resurrection. And I'm telling you what, the mercy is flowing freely. Every person breathing air on this planet, God sees as a treasure. God wants them to come into the kingdom. Like we talked about this morning in communion, He wants them to to receive the gift of salvation and pass from darkness to light. That's God's will and desire. You don't need to fast and pray 
for 10 hours or 10 days or anything about whether he wants your relatives saved. God wants them saved. You know, what about that ornery guy down the street? Does God want him saved? Yes, God wants him saved. I remember we lived in Minneapolis for, you know, many years. But, but I'll tell you a story about Dana. We used to live in this, this area, and it was a good pocket in the city. But if you went too far out of our pocket, it was a little rough. And there was this Tom Thumb store. Does anybody know what a Tom Thumb store? Only little people could work there. No. <laughs> just kidding. No. No, I'm just kidding. But, but there was this Tom Thumb store <laughs> I used to go to and get the paper and stuff. And there was this lady in there that was a little scary looking. And, and one, okay, you know. And one day, Dane and I stopped there, you know, and we were going to go in and get something, some chewing gum or something, I don't know what. And Dana walked in, and this lady was there, and, and she had her head shaved. And you could see that on her scalp, was she'd had some surgery. And it was like stitches all the way down her scalp. And Dana, it just pierced her heart. She said, my God, Paul, we've got to do something for this lady. And, and, you know, we lived not far away, so, you know, we'd frequent the store. I happened to find out what happened is that this lady was in a, a tumultuous relationship. And whoever she was with got mad, hit her on the head with a hammer, beat her, and left her. Well, she, she got help, and she, she was survived and everything. But Dana, that just... just got in her heart, you know what it was, the love of God just got in her heart and said, oh, that girl. So Dana got together this girly package. Do you know what a girly package is? There's no guns or anything in it, you know, nothing cool. It was all stuff like perfume and nice smelling hand stuff and soap, you know, and the kind of stuff when the guy walks in the store to get that stuff. You, the, the key is you look like you don't know anything, and then they come and help you. That, you know that kind of stuff? You know? Jeff, you know. I know you know. Anyway, but um, so she got this package together, and just, I don't remember what was in it, but it was nice. And she brought it in and just gave it to this girl. And the girl just broke down and wept. She just wept. You know what? That girl could have seemed like an outcast to different people. God loved her. God loved her so much that he moved Dana. I said, reach out to that girl. Show her the love of God. And she didn't go in there to preach at her and say, you girl, you need to get to church. Should she come to church? Absolutely. And sometimes it's good to invite people. But she just went to love that girl. You know, and, and I think she said, we're praying for you. God loves you. Something like that. Tell you what, people are valuable. People are precious. And, and the people of Nineveh, even though the world despised them, God loved them. God loves every person on planet Earth. So Jonah, you know, I mean, going to preach to these people in Nineveh, it was going contrary to the grain. It was against the public opinion. It was not politically correct. But heaven spoke to Jonah and said, go Preach to these people. Tell them God loves them. You know what Jonah did? Jonah got on a ship going the opposite way from Nineveh. 
Do you think God might see that? <laughs> He's on the ship, and the storm comes, and it's rocking and reeling the boat, and, 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 and everybody on the, the ship is thinking, my goodness, we're going to die. What's going on? How, how do we get help? Jonah knew what the problem was. He said, guys, I'm the stinker. Cast me overboard. All will be well. They did. It was. Jonah's in the sea, gets swallowed by a big fish, probably a whale. You know, the Bible just calls it a big fish. And Jonah is in the belly of the whale for three days and three nights. Sound familiar? So the, the three days and three nights that Jonah's in the belly of the whale, Jonah does some soul searching. Jonah makes some decisions. He calls out to God and does some things that affect what's going to happen on the other side of this. After three days and three nights, Jonah is released from this whale. He goes and he obeys God, and there's great fruit that happens. Now, let me just read it for you out of, out of Jonah chapter 1, starting in verse 17. It says, Now the Lord had prepared a great fish to swallow up Jonah. Yeah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish for three days and three nights. And then in chapter 2, it goes on. It says, And then Jonah prayed unto the Lord his God out of the fish's belly. And he said, I cried by reason of my affliction unto the Lord, and he heard me. Aren't you glad he hears us? Out of the belly of hell cried I, and you heard my voice. For you have cast me into the deep in the midst of the seas, and the floods compassed me about. All your billows and your waves passed over me. Then I said, I'm cast out of your presence, yet I'll look toward your holy temple. The waters compassed me about even to the soul. The depths closed me round about. The weeds were wrapped around my head. Yuck. I went down to the bottom of the mountains, and the earth with her bars was about me forever. Yet thou hast brought up my life from corruption, O my Lord, my God. When my soul fainted within me, I remembered the Lord, and my prayer came into your holy temple. They that observe lying vanities forsake their own mercy, but I will sacrifice unto thee with a voice of thanksgiving, and I'll pay that which I vowed. Salvation is of the Lord. Then the Lord spoke to the fish. And it vomited out Jonah upon the dry land. So reading all this is where we're going to take this message from, is some things that Jonah decided and did in the midst of trouble. Sometimes people get in trouble and they get grumpy. Sometimes they get mad at the world. They get mad at God. But that's not what we're going to do. We're going to have a plan for when trouble comes that we'll be victorious and we'll get to the other side of that stuff and it'll be better. We'll have victory. You know, sometimes people want to wait till they get out of trouble before they do anything. But we find this out right away that right in the midst of the belly of the whale, Jonah began to act and make good decisions and do things that were positive towards his release and his victory in the days to come. Hallelujah. So what am I saying? I'm saying the time is now. Wherever you're at, you can act. Wherever you're at, you can begin to activate these principles of heaven and get life working for you. Praise the Lord. First thing that Jonah did is he cried unto the Lord in his affliction. Isn't that something? 
You know, there's something about a cry. There's something about a cry from the heart. Something about a cry that'll get God's attention. You know, sometimes when people get in trouble, they want to call everybody else to do their crying for them. Now, let me tell you, I have made the call. I have, I have been in trouble before, and I've called 1-800-SHAMBACH, okay? And got Brother Sham. I didn't get Brother Shambach, but he's in heaven now. I don't, you guys don't even know who Shambach is, maybe. He's a wild preacher from Tyler, Texas, that used to do tent meetings and things and wild stuff. I listened to him for years. When I got saved, and I used to drive a truck for Billy Graham, I, I, I'd put on the radio in the morning every time. I think it was 10.30, and Brother Shambach would come. And he was so wild and crazy. I love the guy. He just captivated me. And I'm not one for wild preachers so much as I am more teachers, but Shambach, man, he, he, he's something else. And, and, and I thought, honestly, all you do is hear a radio. You ever hear a radio preacher and you've never seen him? Yeah. I remember one time I walked into church at the last church we were in, and this guy started talking to me. I go, I know you. And here he was a radio announcer that I listened to all the time. And, you know, but, you know, you, you get pictures in your head of what a person looks like when you haven't seen him. And all you know, you're so familiar, you know the voice. Well, I thought Shambach was a black guy. I did, because he's wild. And he'd have his ladies in his crowd going, Woo, yeah, preacher, brother. You know, and he, always the same time on the radio, there these ladies that sounded the same. And I thought he was, and the, the, here I go. When I, when I went to Ramah, I remember I got into Tulsa on a, like, weekday and, then on Saturday night, Brother Shambach was going to be in Oklahoma City, which is, you know, what is it, hour, hour and a half, depending on how you drive, you know, from Tulsa. So, you know, I got my roommate, so let's go. We're going to go see Shambach. And we walk in there, and the guy's an Irish guy. He's Irish, got red hair. But, man, he preaching, preaching, wild preacher. So I've called Shambach. I've said, hey, I need prayer. But I'm going to tell you that when you're in trouble, the most important voice that heaven needs to hear is you. You say, but I'm not as anointed as Brother Shambach. He's anointed, and I like him to pray for me too. But I'm telling you what, him praying and you not is not going to work. You need to cry out to God. God is listening for your voice. He's listening for the voice of your heart. He's not listening for the most eloquent prayer that can be prayed. He's not listening for the, the one that has the most fervor. He doesn't care if you're loud or soft or in between. He just wants you to cry out from your heart. Cry out from your heart. So what do you do when you're in trouble? You call on Him. Jeremiah 33.3 says, says, call unto me and I'll answer you. And I'll show you great and mighty things. I don't know about you. When I'm in trouble, I don't always think of the most great things to say. But I mean, just saying, Jesus, in time of trouble, can get you to the other side. Hezekiah, over in Isaiah 38, I'm not going to read all this. But Hezekiah, you know, had, had a prophet come to him. How many like to have the prophet come to you? You know, speak a word to you, you know. And, and, and you know, usually when we, we think about that, the word that comes, you know, is really an encouraging word, like go forth and do the will of God and you'll prosper. I, you know, I'm making that up. But, you know, have cheeseburgers at Culver's today. You'll be blessed. I mean, that's what I want to hear. I want to hear that stuff, you know. And I, I told the first service, you know, I've heard the story of A.A. A. Allen. A.A. A. Allen, if you don't know, was, was a preacher back in the healing revival days. I never, you know, saw him or heard him. But my dad had been in A.A. A. Allen's meetings before. And if you go on YouTube, of course, you can see some too. But he had a tremendous gift. 
where he'd have the word of knowledge work in him in a really, you know, accurate way. And people would come to get prayed for. And, you know, many times he'd lay hands on them and it would be that good word. But this one place he was praying for people and the line was really long. People waiting to be prayed for by the prophet. And, and he, he started praying for this guy and, and started reading the guy's mail. And turned out he was in adultery. And A.A. A. Allen just spoke it all out. Said, well, I see you're in adultery. You know, and there's this, this and this and this going on in your life. And you've got to change, man, or things are bad. And when he got done praying, all the ushers looked around and half the line had sat down. Nobody wanted that word. Well, Hezekiah had Isaiah. I mean, Isaiah, how's that for a prophet? Isaiah comes to Hezekiah and says this. This is the word of the Lord for you, Hezekiah. Get your house in order for today you're going to die. I would imagine half the people sat down if there was any kind of a prayer line at that point. But, but, but you know, Hezekiah heard this word. And some people would hear a word from a prophet and think, well, that's it. I might as well, I might as well pack my bags. I'm going. I'm, I'm done. Some people hear a word from heaven and they think, well, that, that, forget it. You know, I can't do anything. You know what? You, you can always do something. You've been given choice. Even in hard situations. Even when like Jonah, when, when you're sitting there feeling despair, you're feeling cut off, you're feeling like, nobody's with you, nobody's hearing you, nothing is, is going your way, you can call out to heaven. Hezekiah, what it says is he put his face to the wall. Now, what does that mean? I'll just give you a simple illustration. Is he cut everything off and he said, Lord, I need you. He called out to heaven. How did he pray? I don't know this all about it, but I know this, he prayed from his heart. He yelled out from his heart. I remember one time Dana said she was driving home from church when we, li we lived in Minneapolis and we were at the other church she, was going, she had a really hard day and she was driving home, driving down Highway 100 and, and, and she said all I did for like miles was yell out help, help I said my goodness I hope you had your windows up can you imagine something like that some poor kid standing on the corner and here's this lady going help I gotta keep her in line you know but but uh, she, she, she yelled out for help. What was she doing? She was, she was crying from her heart. You know what? God hears that kind of prayer. God hears you when you call for help. Hallelujah. So Hezekiah, you know, he called out for help, and, and he called out for mercy. And, and Isaiah came back and said, you know what, Hezekiah, God's heard your prayer. And he said that, uh, he said, you're given another 15 years. He's given another 15 years. I'll tell you what, I'll tell you this too. I was in Tulsa, Oklahoma back, I don't know how long ago, but I know this. Dana and I were down there to uh, go to some meetings with Brother Hagin. And I'm terrible about figuring out the years, and if I sat for a while, I could figure it out. But, uh, but we were down there at, at ORU Maybe Center. And if you don't know, that's a, in the ORU campus, there was an arena, and they called it the Maybe Center. And uh, Brother Hagen was preaching that night, and it wasn't a real big crowd. I mean, for, you know, it wasn't thousands. It was probably hundreds. And uh, I know this it was his 70th birthday had just passed. And if you've listened to Brother Hagen, some of you have, some of you haven't, but Brother Hagen had an interesting life and, you know, defeated death more than once. And, and uh, he had a confession for years that, that he was going to live to be 70. Now, occasionally he'd say, you know, tell the Lord satisfied him or whatever. 
But uh, for years, he'd say, you know, I believe God for 70 years. So we're down there at, in Tulsa, and Brother Hagin is speaking. And I know the next day, they're going to, him and Aretha, or his wife, were going to get on a plane and go to Hawaii on their second honeymoon. And uh, he, said, he said this, though. He said, you know, many of you are wondering what's going to go on now. He says, I, I, I've passed my 70th birthday. And, you know, I had to say, yeah, I was kind of wondering that. What's going to happen here? And he says, well, I just want you to know that I've renegotiated with the Lord. He said, I asked him for another 15 years. And, you know, Brother Hagin died when he was 86. So he, he, he went 15 and a little more from that point. <laughs> it's kind of like Hezekiah. Hallelujah. You know what? God will hear you when you cry out to him. God will hear I remember one time I was sitting in my front room. And, and I looked at my dad. You know, my dad's in heaven now. But this was years ago, and my girls were young. And there it was when we lived over in Minneapolis. And I remember I looked at my dad, and it was just like I could just see death on him. I could see it. Isn't that strange? I don't know how to even tell you that, but I could see it. And I remember when he left, they left that day. You know, it was just a normal day. He was probably playing with the kids, throwing them in the air, whatever they do, you know, grandpa stuff. I said to my wife, to Dana, I said, you know, I just saw death on my dad. And I remember we prayed, and we didn't ask for 15 years, but we just said, Lord, we ask that you'd extend his life. We just we cried out to God. We said, Lord, you know, just for nothing else, just for us, we'd ask that you'd extend his life. And, you know, he did. See, the kids grew up. Praise the Lord. Anyway, that was a different trail. We'll get back to it here. All right. Uh, all right, Psalm 18.6 says this. It says, In my distress I called upon the Lord, cried unto my God, and he heard my voice. Out of his temple my cry came up before him, even into his ears. What am I telling you this morning? I'm telling you this. God hears you when you cry. He hears you when you call out to him. And you know whether, you're, again, you're soft, you're loud, whatever. I remember back in the 80s, I think it was, there was this strange doctrine going around that God would hear you better if you prayed from an elevated position. I'm serious. Some of you guys know what I'm talking about. You've heard it. There was actually groups that would rent airplanes and go up and fly around a city. Serious, I'm, just, I'm telling you, it's true. You know, us Christians are a strange breed. But they would go up and they'd fly around cities because they thought God, would, God hears you right where you're at. God heard Jonah in the belly of a whale. God hears you if you're high. He hears you if you're low. I don't mean high, but, but <laughs> he hears you then, too. He hears you then. <laughs> I'll tell you, I, that's when I used to call out to God. I'd be driving in my car before I was saved, and I'd see red lights come on behind me. You know what red? Now they're red and blue and white and all kinds of colors. But I'll tell you what I did. I called out to God. I said, have mercy on me, Lord. Have mercy on me right now. And you know, he did. Hallelujah. I don't know if that's really preachable, but I've tried it anyway. <laughs> Eventually, I, I, I called out to him and, I, you know, I, I changed. He changed me. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Psalm 34, 17. The righteous cry, and the Lord hears and delivers them out of all their troubles. I'm going to go into step two. 
principle number two. Wise move number two. When Jonah was in the belly of the whale, he said this, this, he, he said this statement. He says, I will look again unto your holy temple. I'll look again unto your holy temple. What am I telling you? When you're in that place, when you're in the belly of the whale, when you're in that place where the world is swallowing you up, wise moves you can make. What did Jonah do? He said this, they cried out unto the Lord, and he says, I'll look again unto your holy temple. What am I saying? Well, renew your commitment to your local church. Huh, isn't that a good one? Yeah, amen. Renew your commitment to the local church. You know, you can be a Christian and never go to church. I know people like that. But it's not a wise move. It's not a wise move. We need to be in church. Now, you know, is God going to strike you over or something if you're not in church? No. I mean, don't, you know, in Wisconsin, summer comes for two weeks, I think. Go out and enjoy it, okay? Enjoy it. You know, don't get under condemnation. But I'm saying this is renew your commitment to your local church. When times of trouble come, don't run from the body. Run to it. Sometimes people get hurt. You know, when cats get hurt, you know what they do? They run and they hide. They ride, hide under the bed. You know, they don't want to be seen. Does anybody else have cats? Anybody else hurt their cat? No, I don't hurt my cat either. But if they do get hurt, you know, they don't want anybody around them. Don't do that. Don't be like a cat. You know, um, in times of trouble, you need to run to God. You need to run to the church. In Psalm 92, 13, it says, Those that are planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. Those that are planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the, the courts of our God. Church is a God idea, okay? Church is not a man idea. It's a God idea. You know, I think in, in life, I've always said this is priorities. I'll throw it out there. It's God first, your family second, and then church comes right in there. God first, family second. Some would argue that, but I think it's God first, family second. God created the family before he created the church. But the church is important. And you don't want to be cut off. You know, I've seen people this, they'll go through depression. And you know what they'll do? They don't go to church. I know. I know it's hard. It's hard when you're going through a hard time to do it. But make every attempt you can to connect with other believers. Connect with other believers. You know, we do this thing on Sunday mornings. You know, I, sometimes, I, I, I give titles to things, and sometimes I call it the second song prayer. But, you know, we do that because we want, when you come to church, we want you to be able to connect with someone with flesh and blood. We want you to be able to connect with somebody. If you're going through a hard time, you're, you're sick or whatever, we want someone to be able to touch you at your point of need. Now, you know what? Does that mean if you're getting, going through a hard time or you're sick that you, you automatically you need to come up on the second psalm and get prayer? No, not always. Sometimes people, people do it different ways. Sometimes people believe God. They believe the word themselves, and they say, oh, I'm standing. I'm strong. I can do that. Nothing wrong with that. Frankly, that's usually how I do it. But if God prompts me to, I'd go forward and get prayer. 
I'd get prayer. People do it different ways. I've known people that don't tell anybody when they're going through stuff, except a few. And I've known people that tell the whole church and everybody else. And I've seen it work for victory both ways. Be led. What I'm saying now is don't cut yourself off, though. Let people stand with you. Whether it be a few people or the whole body or whatever, get together with the body of Christ. Hebrews 10, 25. It says this. It says, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another and even so much more as you see the day approaching. You know, there's, there's doctrines and stuff out there that float around. There's nothing new under the sun, but sometimes they'll say, ah, you don't need church or whatever. But I'm telling you what, church is a God thing. He said, don't forsake the assembling of yourself together. And even how much more as you see the day approaching. Why is that? Because there's a strength in the body. There's a corporate anointing. F.F. Bosworth, in his book, Christ the Healer, he said this, that there's sometimes, you know, people are dealing with things, they just never get free without a corporate anointing. Why is that? I don't know. But I know this, there's power in agreement. There's strength in numbers, okay? Hallelujah, hallelujah. So the church comes with assembly required. It's like a Kia. You buy something, you assemble it. But the church, it comes with assembly required, okay? Hallelujah. So what are we talking about? We're talking about what to do when the world is caving in around you, when it's trying to swallow you up, when it's got you in a bind. What do you do? Well, the first thing you do is you call out to God. Second thing I'm telling you this morning is don't cut yourself off from the local body. Amen. Thank you for listening to Liberty Christian Center's podcast. To partner with this ministry or for any additional information, please visit libertychristiancenter.org.